0: This is episode 113 of the IDRA Class Notes podcast.
1: Clearly, as we talk about issues of educational equity, now we're talking about more than just bringing kids together in school, but it's about what happens to them once they are together in schools. Even if they're not together in schools because of the strange nature of communities and how segregated communities are, learners still have a right to the same kind of education as our other learners getting access to. All learners in public schools have a right to a high-quality education if any learner is getting a high-quality education education.
0: Greetings and welcome again to IDRA's podcast. I'm Aurelio Montemayor and today I'm going to be interviewing, having a conversation with Dr. Bradley Scott, who's the director of our South Central Collaborative for Equity. Bradley, the word civil rights. You just wrote an article that says we're in the sixth generation. Why?
1: Well, it's really, uh, Aurelio, and this is kind of a role reversal for me to be the one responding, but it's, it's great to be in this position. We are uh, making a, a turn in terms of what public education is looking like and uh, the kinds of things that we're facing in public education. And while civil rights is clearly still one of those concerns, the protection of learners' civil rights in public schools, particularly uh, against uh, non-discrimination and mistreatment and uh, anything that would deny them educational benefit, We are starting to look at how we do that and how we need to do that in a very different kind of way as we move forward into this 21st century. So the time in my mind and the mind of uh, the other Equity Assistance Center directors is that it's time for us to have a different kind of conversation about what public education looks like, how we provide real access to all kids regardless of their race their color their national origin their language and how we make sure that all kids uh, all learners benefit from good education under the leadership of good powerful teachers and and
0: educational leaders. You know Bradley that's interesting because if I would go back to my early thoughts when I heard civil rights I would think white and black children together African-American and and Anglo children brought together into school together that was what what my memory is and now it's a whole array of things.
1: It really is and in fact in this what I call the uh, modern era starting with the Brown versus the Board of Education it essentially and initially was at the national level uh, and in people's minds just black and white Mm -hmm. um, students being brought together in what were called desegregated schools but we never actually reached real integration and that involves a whole other set of issues and Clearly, as we talk about issues of educational equity, now we're talking about more than just bringing kids together in school, but it's about what happens to them once they are together in schools. And in this day and age, Aurelio, even if they're not together in schools because of the strange nature of communities and how segregated communities are in 2012, learners still have a right to the same kind of education as are other learners getting access to so even if they live in poor communities if they live in rural communities if they live in segregated communities if they live in single parent homes you know whatever the defining characteristics may be all learners in public schools have a right to a high quality education if any learner
0: is getting a high quality education when you approach a school or visit a school What's involved in that? What is it that you focus on or are looking at? Well, because
1: we have to be invited in by the superintendent or his or her designee, it may start with whatever it is that they're uh, inviting us in to do. And that may be the door through which we mm-hmm. walk. But once we get there, we have to help them to see things in a bigger, broader context. This article that you're talking about that comes out in this uh, month's newsletter Mm -hmm. talks about this equity lens. And clearly the sixth generation is saying that in order for uh, systems to really change, that we really have to have people looking through a lens of educational equity. It forces you to think about different kinds of things and a broader set of issues. So clearly, as we deliver our technical assistance, while they may invite us in to do a particular thing, we have to help them to see the world of education through a broader set of eyes. And so what are the implications for an education stakeholder? Well, uh, they may be many, based upon the stakeholder. A parent wanting to mm-hmm. support his or her child's uh, educational experience uh, will ask different kinds of, of questions and broader questions and know Can how to look at. Can community
0: trigger the invitation?
1: Um, not as a rule. We mm-hmm. are we are the guests of a school district because of an LEA, a school district or a. Um, campus leader given his or her uh, uh, superintendents approval. But the superintendent can be urged by the community. to Absolutely, and as is true with many of our superintendents, because of issues they're dealing Mm with, once they invite us in, we'll also invite the community in because they see the need for parents to be partners in their kids education.
0: Absolutely. So from a, let's say a family point of view, what have you seen as structural barriers to student success? What are some of the big ones that you see? Are you talking about from a family? Yeah, in in terms of my kids and uh, school.
1: Clearly, the first is whether or not I'm accepted, me and my children are accepted by this school as being a legitimate part of the community, having a right to a schooling experience. Uh, We're dealing with some school systems who almost uh, categorically reject certain families and certain students or learners that come from certain parts of the community. And when we are in states uh, where, for instance, they aren't used to seeing Latino families or having families speak a different language. Those communities find it very difficult to accept and to embrace those families in that different language, that different Mm -hmm. cultural lifestyle in the old south uh, which is a part of our region where the issues were always between blacks and whites now you have browns in schools and communities and they speak another language and they speak another language and communities may not uh, know how to deal with them Mm -hmm. and so the sixth generation of civil rights and educational equity Asks people and th- those mm-hmm. stakeholders to do at least three things, one of which is to view the experience of public education through an equity lens, which is not deficit and not fraught with prejudice and and misconceptions or ignorance
0: about the people who are really in schools. Well, how does some of this maybe unaware prejudice show up in the structure of a school in the process? How does it show up? Uh, let me, let okay. me get to that. Yeah. As I mentioned, the
1: second point, which is beyond the lens of equity. Uh-huh how different kinds of questions must be raised about how the things that school systems do, the policies they pass, impact Mm -hmm. all learners equitably, regardless of their race, their gender, their language, their economic status, even their special need or disability. And then the third uh, thing that this sixth generation asks stakeholders to do is to think about how you take equity or how you take action, rather, so that what is done impacts all learners in a fair, equitable, non-prejudicial, non-discriminatory way so that kids can reach high levels of achievement, etc. And it doesn't mean that every child has to be treated equally, every child must be treated equitably, and that the educational responses, the pedagogy, the uh, the activities that go on respond to the different characteristics that different learners bring with them Mm -hmm. into the educational experience, and it opens doors so that the families of these learners can also
0: become significantly engaged in their learning. So, in this sixth generation, what have been some persistent forms of exclusion or limitation that sure. you've seen present?
1: There are many, and some of them are the, Some of the persistent issues are things like disproportionality. We are still concerned that too many minority kids are overrepresented in disciplinary actions and suspensions Mm -hmm. and expulsions. They're underrepresented in terms of their inclusion in higher level courses and gifted and talented courses. They are highly overrepresented in terms of lower graduation rates, school completion rates. They are disproportionately being sent on into alternative schooling settings. They are disproportionately at the lower educational runs of the ladder on any Mm -hmm. campus in terms of what courses they take, what programs they are engaged in, and then in some instances, they are entirely excluded because the community, the school, uh, the education stakeholders there on a given campus don't know how to interact with people whose first language may not be English or who are newly arrived to uh, the country or who are immigrants or migrants passing mm-hmm. through a community and are poorly equipped to provide real high
0: quality educational experiences of kids. Those are persistent issues yeah, what is and there are new issues that are arising. Well, one that is persistent, I know, and I work in bilingual education is if a child comes to, for the child to be appropriately taught, diagnosed and taught, if you don't have appropriate diagnostician and tools, you don't know if they need Language support, special education support, or both. There's it's Absolutely. Hard, you know, yeah.
1: And like the over-inclusion of uh, kids whose first language is not English in special, special ed, ed, and particularly yes. around those um, language-related special mm-hmm. needs categories, there are many of those kinds of issues that persistently show up in the mm-hmm. educational experiences of our learners in schools. In the last couple of years, what's one success that you feel you've had with a school district and some of these issues? Well, and there have been many, but to have seen uh, boards of education actually rewrite policy because they have been made to understand the adverse impact it has on certain populations is a winner for me, and that's some of the fundamentals that we talk about in our Quality Schools Action Framework. The fact that you see parents take on a different kind of engagement uh, where they are looking at the quality of the schooling their kids are receiving and they develop their voice the fact that students can speak up particularly secondary students and describe the nature and the uh, state of their educational experience in ways that creates listening on the part of adult leadership uh, who are around them those kinds of changes we have seen because people are beginning to understand although it's it's like pulling teeth at times that there are different kinds of issues that need to be handled in new kinds of ways to produce different kinds of outcomes and the focus of this sixth generation is is on outcomes, not just inputs, but outcomes as measured by student success or the lack thereof. Okay, what, what's an input and what's an outcome, the way you use it? So, um, teaching is, a, is an input, the okay. kind of teaching, the kind of um, uh, things that go on in the classroom. If kids are not benefiting from that, well that outcome if they're not doing better in terms of uh, any of the measures of outcome not only just academic and test taking but but their ability to handle thinking and, and complex, complex thinking and so forth, if that's not happening, then uh, that outcome has not been reached, which means that input has right. had
0: has made no difference. So we, we have professional development, nothing happens, then you have to revisit it again because Absolutely. students still aren't succeeding academically. They aren't succeeding academically,
1: aren't graduating, aren't, particularly minorities and poor kids aren't going on to college, you know, and into various career fields, etc. I know our time is running out, but uh, it's all of those issues that this sixth generation begins to open up. And it's a beginning conversation that we equity assistance centers are, are beginning to have And we think that public schools around the nation need to be having in a very different kind of way.
0: Now, you already have particular targeted schools that you serve based on their situation in court and the court case, right? That as well as the Office for Civil Rights or
1: in some instances across our region because districts are deciding they need to be doing something better and differently.
0: Okay, so that if some listener is interested in what you're saying and they think that in their community there's an issue... Uh, should they go to the superintendent and request your service or, or what? Well, they can do that or they can
1: go online and simply make a request directly to us and then we can reroute it through the
0: school system and the superintendent or his or her designee. But your work is with decision makers and others to influence the school board members and the top administration of a school district. Uh,
1: uh, uh, by, legally, we can yes. work with everybody, not yes. only school board members and superintendents, but
0: teachers and students, families, and other community mm-hmm. stakeholders. You know, one thing that came to mind is a decision that both of you were influenced by, the Love the versus Nichols decision that said the same teachers, the same curriculum, same books for all children is not equity. In other words, that you have to adapt. And here in the sixth generation, you're still seeing that schools need to adapt to meet the needs of these families and these children. So that's been a constant. It's a constant. Learning. Absolutely. Yeah, is. And
1: sometimes the lessons that need to be learned Uh, come slow and and sometimes with difficulty, but uh, I'm one who believes they do come. So what would you say in closing? That we need to pay more attention to this new world of public education and what we really want to create. And that requires having different conversations, seeing the world through a different kind of eye and being ready, ready to do a different kind of thing to support student success, regardless of their race their color, their language, national origin, economic circumstance, and special need. We must do this. Great. Must do this. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org